Attention, please. Eastern Airlines Flight 19, now ready for departure. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're entering the vacation kingdom of the world. There's enough land here to hold all of the ideas and plans we could possibly imagine. We call it Epcot. Will be our experimental prototype city of tomorrow. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast. Taking you back to the vacation kingdom of the world, the way it was, and the way it is in your memories. Welcome to a very special episode of the Retro Disney World uh, movie night tonight entitled Remembering Rolly. And we have a lot of special guests sitting in with us tonight. So I'm going to let each of them introduce themselves. <clears throat> Michael, I'll call you out first in the upper left corner there. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me and thanks for doing this. I'm uh, Michael Crawford. Uh, Progress City USA, and uh, I'm just happy to be here to talk about rolling. Awesome. And right below that, Jeff Heimbach. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Jeff Heimbach. Uh, I helped Rolly uh, write It's Kind of a Cute Story and helped basically tell a story over the last couple of years, and I'm very happy to be here to help remember him with everyone. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Jeff. appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me. Hello, everybody. Uh, oh, I said Ryan. Oh, Ryan. But, oh, Ryan. Ryan's there just cutting in. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, everyone. Ryan Ritchie um, from the Theme Park Trivia Show.com. But I'm here more because of a previous project working on a World's Fair documentary. And, and that's where my interactions with, uh, with Rolly started. Okay, Brian, now you can go. I, I was just going to say if we had had a commercial pre roll, it would have ended with. Tonight, a very special episode of Family Talk. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. Yeah, then you said it was a very special episode of Retro exactly. WDW. So. It is very special. Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight uh, for, for a good cause. Yep. And we've got JT coming in from Ohio. How are you tonight, JT? I'm great. How are you doing, Todd? Doing well. I'm sitting here in, in Rolly's garden. So Very nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I meant to mention. Here's, I'm I'm in front of his window there, you know, yeah. on on Main Street in Disneyland. But don't get hit by the omnibus. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Hal Bowers coming in tonight. How are you, sir? Good. How are you? Excellent. <clears throat> Excellent. Welcome aboard. Happy, well, happy got... to be here. Happy to be here, but for a sad reason. So. Yeah, it is a sad reason we're here, but we are here to life celebrate, right? Celebrate a life of of artistry and imagination. And um, what we're going to be doing tonight, we're just musings and memories. We've got some clips. We have a slideshow uh, all about our trip uh, to visit Rolly and um, whatever comes uh, upon us to, to talk about and remember it. So, um, Jeff, maybe you could start a little, us off a little bit here and tell us a little bit about, you know, Rolly and writing his biography and the, the different things that you learned. You're the closest to him. You've gotten to know him and Marie very, very well. Um, so we'd love to hear what, you know, what you've learned over the years. Sure. Um, actually I'm going to build off of a conversation that we were having before we went live before just how he's been so welcoming to like fans in his home. But, um, I first met him and his wife Marie years ago when they released, um, it was a walking audio tour called a walk in the park. And I just reached out to them to see if I could interview him and, you know, help promote this walking audio guide to Disneyland. 
and I locked myself away in my uh, then girlfriend's closet uh, in Pennsylvania as a mini recording studio so we could do an interview podcast. And um, we just kind of kept in touch for a couple of months after that. And I knew that he was already working with somebody on a biography of some kind. And he was having a lot of difficulty, like, you know, working with the person. They couldn't really handle it. And, you know, I subtly suggested that I would be interested in helping them out because, of course, who wouldn't? And, uh, you know, we talked about it for a while. And ultimately, he decided that, you know, he would much rather work with someone that was local that he can, like, show his things to and, you know, all that. And I was like, I'll buy a plane ticket right now. I'll, I'll come out literally tomorrow and, and help you write this book. And while it wasn't the very next day, it was probably like a month later, I was on an airplane. And, you know, they picked me up from the San Diego airport. I stayed with Roly and his wife, Marie, for about a week. Um, this stranger they just welcomed into their home who had this passion for all things Rolly. And, um, you know, I, I haven't looked back since. I, I, I've been part of the family ever since then. It's It's been pretty incredible. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think we've all read the book, too. Right? Yeah. I know, JT, you said you read it before you had kids, so when you actually paid attention to books. <laughs> that, that, when I had time to read for fun, that was the... Yeah, I read that book uh, on an iPad, actually, a digital copy that was... Uh, and uh, I loved it. I was, I thought it was very fascinating. Yeah. And uh, he was one of those people that when I was reading, I was like, this guy just sounds so nice. And so like, you know, inspiring. And it was a very well told just story. And, and I was unfamiliar with all the world's fair stuff. And that was super neat to dig into, but and it kind of led me to Jeff and his podcast and all that stuff. So yeah. Yeah, we're all bonded together some way here between podcasts and everything. Else. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Ryan, what about you? How, how what's your relationship with Rolly and what you wanted to talk about tonight? Sure. So um, I first met Rolly in uh, May of 2010. Um, I had just by chance I'd driven past the the remnants of the World's Fair in Flushing Meadows in New York on my way somewhere, uh, probably a year before that, and. I'd always been interested in World's Fairs and then, of course, always had this Disney interest, but I never really knew how the two connected. Um, and then, of course, as I learned about that, there's Rolly. And what ended up happening was that my wife and I went out to to interview him. Well, I should back up. We, we talked to Marie. Um, we had a, a, a phone call first, and I thought, you know, he's probably not going to want to talk about anything related to Disney. This is probably going to be very laser focused just on the fair. I didn't know anything about his personality. Uh, and we ended up going out there, just my wife and I, no crew or anything. And we're pulling up to the house and there's the that sign that said Crump at the uh, at the house. <laughs> and that was like the, the delineation point uh, where you were entering his world. You know, once you got past that point, <laughs> it was everything was was just somehow better, you know, and fanciful. And, and um, so we talked and of course he didn't just talk about the world's fair and many hours went by and he was just so warm and welcoming. As Jeff said, here we are strangers showing up at his door. I had no um, credits to show him, no reason for him to ever have us be there. And, uh, but of course he, as everyone here knows, was so warm and welcoming. Um, and we were doing the interview and the best part was 
we're kind of wrapping it up and he says, well, you need to talk to Bob. I'm like, okay. okay. And so he gets on the phone to Bob Gert um, and says, Bob, you need to talk to, you need to talk to Ryan and Stacy doing this uh, documentary. And the very next day, there we are in Bob's living room, all thanks to Roly. And then that led to Imagineering talking to us. And I think, I think they may have uh, decided, wait, we can't have a, we can't have that rebel over there telling his side of the story. <laughs> we need to get the corporate spin on this too. Um, but, you know, just so warm and welcoming. And through the years we stayed in touch and um, it's easy. It, we here know it. It's so easy to say someone's warm or someone's inviting or compassionate, but if, folks, this was at another level and they both were just so kind, Rolly and Marie, um, staying in touch through the years. And, and, uh, it's really, it, it's been incredible. Yeah. And it, it, when we visited with them, um, like you said, so warm and welcoming, they could have easily shut out every request and instead they allowed everybody to come into their home. Think of, think about this, you know, you've been around many years. I, I think the last thing a lot of us would want to do is just invite all these random strangers into <laughs> our home to sit down and put lights and audio equipment. No, it was yeah, bring another camera. Come on, I, come I, on in. I don't even like when people I know come over. So, <laughs> like when strangers come, it's. Well, you guys told me you were going, and I'm like, "There's no way this guy's letting you in there with a film crew." And I was just like, "I didn't even think you were serious." And the next thing I know, you're getting pictures with him in his living room. I'm like, "Wait, what?" Oh, uh, that's true. That's true. Well, Michael, what opening story do you have for us? Uh... Well, it's it's a running theme, I guess, with. Uh, Rolly and Marie being so welcoming. I, at the time, I, I met him in 2010 for the first time, uh, not long after Ryan. In fact, I listened, I was listening back to the uh, tape of the the first interview I taped with him the other day, and he mentions Ryan. Like, I was sorry, he's like, yes, uh, this, this uh, guy, Ryan Ritchie and his wife were here. The other, you know, recently filming about the World's Fair. So I thought that was cool. Uh, but I was in North Carolina at the time and living and uh, was going to make a trip to California for some D23 thing. And I was just starting to interview people and really get into interviewing people. And I have no idea where I got his address, like his snail mail address, but just blindly sent a letter. And then got a call, which was surreal. And then, got you know, got an email from Marie. And I think he left me a voicemail and then she got she emailed me. Um, but I went out there and, you know, I'll be honest, I, I hate doing interviews because I'm like anxious and nervous and just what a million different things. And, you know, especially going to somebody you think like, all right, well, this is a guy I grew up with watching on television with Walt Disney, like hanging out with <laughs> yes. Walt Disney. I mean, this is a guy, I mean, there are lots of prominent Imagineers, but there are only so few people that you can meet that are on TV with Walt, you know? And, uh, but you know, once I got talking to him, it's like all, all of my like nervousness and stuff just evaporated because, you know, we sat out on the, the little patio there and had snacks and drinks and they were the sweetest, most welcoming people and Rolly was so hilarious 
uh, all of his stories, all of his reactions to like my questions, uh, like every comeback was something unexpected and so candid and forthcoming as I'm sure anybody who's read his book knows. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's how we met. And then I was moved out to LA not long after. And anytime he'd do a signing or be at some event, like we would catch up and everything. And if I ever had a question, I could like email Marie and she'd pass it on and they'd get back to me with the info for anything. And yeah, I, like I said, the other day on Twitter, after that first visit, he sent me this just big packet of art, like Imagineering art from Life Health Pavilion at Epcot, the stuff that I had never seen before. And I had no idea even what it was, um, but it was just like a treasure trove. So that's just, I was nobody. And that's what just kept getting, getting to me is like, I was nobody. And he was just super nice, super accommodating and so generous. It was unbelievable. If I can just jump in for a oh, second please, to, please to, to, some, to something Michael just said. Um, yeah, I know you were just saying, I was thinking the same thing. You were like, I'm a nobody. Like, why is he doing this? But over the years, like talking to him and Marie, like whenever I tell them that the impact about his work has had on people and like how much people love it. And like, you know, it's such a big part of their lives and they're getting tattoos and they're creating their own art about it. He's always like, we were just some guys doing a job. Like we weren't doing it to be magical. We weren't doing it like, you know, to, to have this reaction. It was just a job for them. Yeah, it was fun and they did great stuff, but he still flabbergasted or was still flabbergasted that everybody was so enthralled with his work and was like wanted to know more. He like he he couldn't wrap his his head around it ever and the entire time I knew him. <laughs> so it's just fascinating. It, he didn't care. Of course, come come to the house and see stuff. Right. I don't care. <laughs> and and we, we, we found in the a lot of the people that we've interviewed over the years, that's a very common theme with yeah. the Imagineers. <laughs> they didn't think they were really doing something special, but little did they know they were the the, the power and the imagination that they have instilled upon all of us just resonates and um i don't think they, they never anticipated it uh to, to what they feel i yeah, was uh, i i ran across yeah. an article from him i think it was in one of the san diego papers online and he was doing uh he was going out to schools and soliciting to like go out to schools to give art talks to the kids and his phone number was literally at the end of the article. I, I, I put it aside. It's like, oh, some someday I'm going to get up the nerve to actually call this number and talk to him. And I, and I never did until we finally went out and, and spoke to him. But I mean, I thought, I mean, talk about putting yourself out there, you know, for the world to to get some insight, you know, from you. It's like he was he was actively trying to make that happen. Yeah, and I, I think I, that's why it, it did happen ultimately for all of us. I th I think part of it too is I was just on a call the end of last week as we're trying to put together this Epcot event. I have a big long list. Um, I told Michael the other night, it's like the list of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. It's this giant <laughs> list of like wish list of who we who we want to come to this thing in the fall. And uh, there's one guy who's had a lot to do with Epcot. And I said to the person I was talking to who knows him, I said, well, you know, he doesn't do these types of things. Like, do you think he would come? And he said, the person said to me, I don't think anybody's ever asked him. <laughs> yeah. And I think for a lot of Raleigh's generation, you know, that first or 1.2 generation Imagineers, um, like a lot of them died out before this thing kind of took off where, 
there was this fan-based interest in the people behind the, the attractions and Raleigh and Bob and some of the others have lived long enough to be completely flabbergasted at how interested people are in this, what they, you know, these little projects they worked on. So well, to that point, I mean, I was listening again to this first interview I did with him and I, I start off talking about, you know, how Epcot had such, I was there to talk mostly about Epcot and how Epcot had an influence on me and my life and everything. And, you know, he was just kind of talking and he says, you know, I don't think anybody's ever interviewed me about Epcot. He's like, you know, they'll talk about like small world Tiki Room, but he said, I don't think anybody's even cared about Epcot. It's like, I don't, you know, didn't think anybody cared about like the work they had done. And he, he was real proud of the work his team had done, but he just didn't think it was really on anybody's radar. And he was surprised that I was interested and I was shocked that he was surprised that I was interested. <laughs> so he said the same thing to us when we're there with the cameras and all. Uh, he he said, I love I think when we went in, Marie told us to expect no more than it was 60 to 90 minutes, something like yeah. that. And I think we ended up going about two and a half hours. And part of it was that he said, he said to us halfway through exactly that. Michael, he said, everybody wants to come and interview me about Disneyland and small world. <laughs> he said, you guys are here talking to me about Epcot and I never get to talk about Epcot. And so he like, we got like an extra hour of bonus time with him because he just it was enjoying himself talking yeah. about it. Yeah. And and Brian, I remember we asked some questions that, you know, a lot of people hadn't asked. You, you, a great one was like, tell us about Roy. Nobody, yeah. everybody asked about Walt. Tell us about Roy. You know, and then I remember when he went off of the, the whole story about, I think it was Carl Hodges and and and, and going into the hot tub with his wife uh, and then taking naked. the clothes off yes. naked. <laughs> I mean, we're just on the floor laughing at these stories. It's, yeah. it's hilarious. And Carl Hodges having a house with no roof, you know. <laughs> just... let's, let nature in. Let nature in. Yeah. So. All right. Well, maybe, Brian, um, before we get to some of the clips, we could profile a little bit of what our day was like. And um, Jeff, Ryan, and Michael, please, you're going to see things. You've been in the home. I'd love to have you guys annotate some of this, too, and give us some uh, perspective on, on the different things we're going to see. So <clears throat> um, what we're going to do, let me just go to our little control system here. Uh, Cross your fingers, everybody. I'm, yeah, if I'm, we all disappear, I'm, just I'm, hang tight. I'm trying on this. This one I think I can handle because I'm actually gonna I'm gonna move us over to the side. All right, that worked. And then I'm gonna put up the slideshow. So all right, which seems to be way larger than it should. So yeah, it's not working. So let's let's fix that <laughs> first. So Brian, oh, why don't you while I get this first picture up of your box of donuts, why don't you uh, give a little. <laughs> A little indication working? of information what we were doing. So. All right. So we talked a little bit about this. Uh, my general um, uh, uh, course of action when I land at LAX and I arrive in LA, my first stop when I leave the airport, because I always have a rental car, is Randy's Donuts. So I had picked How up the day before from the airport after I had spent a few days in Disneyland when I first got there. And we stopped at Randy's Donuts and got a supply of donuts. And then Hal and I drove to Oceanside, where, where Carlsbad, where uh, Rolly lived, and stopped in San Clemente on the way for dinner that night. So I remember afterwards, we met up with Todd at the hotel. And we it was the first time we had all seen each other in a while. So we're, we're, we're kind of holed up in, in our hotel room. 
uh, and Todd's and we're all sitting there like having donuts and soda at like 11 o'clock at night like our parents left us alone it was like a cub scout for a weekend. Trip. <laughs> it really was it really was and then the next morning you know how and i were sharing a room so we I, we woke up and i texted todd i said hey are you up He's, yeah i was just gonna get some coffee and i'm like you know what let's throw like a pair of jeans and your hat on and let's go take our donuts and coffee down to the beach because we were like a mile from the beach and whenever i'm near a beach i'm like hey let's you know and it's nice out let's go and uh, so that's what we did. We 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 found the beach. We actually were just driving, looking at the GPS, saying it's got to be here somewhere. Yeah, it's not doing any of this in order for me tonight, even though I put yeah. everything in numerical order. So wonderful. We're going to see so, random photos. There's the beach. There we are. There's the beach. There's <laughs> everything. Yeah. So anyway, we ended up down at the uh, cliff overlooking the beach and, uh, and had our morning coffee. And we're sitting there kind of pinching each other that we're going to be sitting with Rolly Crump in a couple of hours. <laughs> And once Todd gets to the picture, <laughs> there, can... there you go. It's uh... we... oh, there it is. There it is. So I did tell this story. <laughs> uh, was that retro magic? Our... I think at retro magic. I yeah. think. But uh, so we're standing there having our coffee and donuts, looking out at the beach, just kind of uh, enjoying the the Pacific Ocean. And this woman who was walking along the path stopped and wanted to know what we were looking at, and. <laughs> Just strikes up this conversation with Todd and how, and I'm just laughing because it was so bizarre. And she's in the middle of this conversation where she looks like she's doing the crane technique from Karate Kid <laughs> and suddenly just turns and goes, oh, look, a dolphin. <laughs> it's become just a very sweet woman. It was really very, very sweet. But very it was, uh, she was asking us about, have you looked at the, have you seen the town, you know, of it? Yeah, uh, and she, there's a good candy store, and she was like telling us places to go. It was, it was very sweet, but it was also that has become our like, uh, you know, when we veer off into the weeds. Oh, look, a dolphin! Because <laughs> it was just like broke squ- our broke our concentration. Like squirrel. So these are not in the order. So Jeff, do you, or Randy, do you know a little history of this guy? This is sits in his house. Uh I I was just holding that little guy the other day. It's nice uh, to see what about. Um, it's from uh, the original Knott's Berry Tales, actually. Sorry, I, I'm getting distracted. I'm looking onto my other screen yes, to see I the know, photos. It's all, yeah, oh, sorry, yes. it's okay. I'm okay. Trust me, I'm paying attention. Okay. Um, one of one of the original frogs uh, that was used in in Knott's Berry Tales originally. Um, I believe that one in particular came from our friend albert um i believe he did purchase it in the auction a couple years ago and he gifted it back to roly um it's adorable i love it so much it's one of the cutest creations roly has ever made (laughs) and and for people watching that was his first dark ride right outside of disney was that um it was his first major dark ride yeah. outside of Disney. Yeah, absolutely. The one that stuck around for a while and people remember. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is going to be great. I thought there was to be an order, but okay. This is the Tower of the Winds and, and one of the most incredible photos of all time. So who wants to narrate Ooh, yes. this one? Yeah, this is too good and there's marie she's in the back yeah yeah a secret marie in the background also let's take a moment again and appreciate marie everybody marie is a godsend uh you know she was a blessing on earth for roly and i love her dear dearly Uh, i'm very happy that she is so excited to help preserve his legacy also yeah 
So was that some original art, do you believe? Is was that his his drawing there? No, that is not his drawing. Okay. Uh that is actually a, a recreation done by I forget who it was, but he was gifted that particular drawing. But he loved it so much because it looked so close to the original yeah. that he did have it framed. And then that is obviously the photo with him and Walt. That's too. Well that is personalized Walt. to him from Walt that he has hanging above it. It's, wow. uh, we have a. I think I have a closer picture of that. This oh, this is I believe the photo that Marie was getting out, and she said, "I want to show this to you." I think in the photo when we saw her in the previous picture, yeah, she, was, she mm. went to the closet and got this out. Uh, Roy and I'm sorry, uh, Walton and and Rolly in front of the Small World uh, facade. And I don't remember if it was Tom Morris or Eddie Sato. One of them in the last couple days shared that photo and said, "This is the best photo of of <laughs> of Walt and Rolly." Absolutely. Hands down. That's great. They, look at them. They're both so proud of it and so happy. Yeah. I love every photo that you can find of them just like laughing and chatting together because <laughs> it's just, I think it just, I don't, you don't really see a lot of photos of Walt laughing with the other Imagineers like this, but like there's a lot of good hearty belly laughs in some of these photos with the two of them. And I, I don't know. I love it. <laughs> it yeah. And it's funny because the, the Sherman brothers story, uh, in, in their documentary, which we'll refer to a couple times tonight, but they talk about how Walt would hear something that they worked really hard on. And his answer was always that'll work. And then he'd move on. He mm -hmm. was not a guy that praised or guffawed along with you. And, and it is funny to see all these photos of him and Raleigh, just like in stitches. Where, <laughs> where's that taken at? Um, I I'm assuming that's it. Is that, I think it's in Glendale, WDI. right? Yeah, it, it had to be wet and yeah. Yeah. All right, let's see. But I think you can see that in a lot of the things that they did together there, because there's footage of them at the Tower of Four Winds on one of those TV specials, and uh, they're talking over it. But you can see they're just like cutting up. There must have been a real affinity there. Yeah, I feel like, especially Walt for Rolly, because it just seems like they were always cutting up together whenever you see them. That's yeah, so and fun. I get this. I get this perception that Rolly was one of the few people that was actually just honest with Walt too. He was never, he never held back. He never, you know, probably to an extent, but he, like he was just very upfront in his opinion. If Walt asked him an opinion on something, it's like he would share it, and, yeah. and where other people would not do that. So there's, yeah, the... I, you know, and, and Jeff, you might be able to speak to this, but I, I think it may have been partially because. Rolly was an Imagineer, but Rolly was Rolly. I mean, he was doing his art and doing things his way and not in a bad way. And honestly, it was probably refreshing for Walt to to have him around and to have his honest opinion. Like you're saying, he um, I, I think, you know, I'm looking at that picture and I think most of us, I don't know if he, he probably told you at Retro WDW, the, the of course, the story about how Rolly felt about these supports on the Tower of the Four Winds uh and um telling walt about it and and who else would do that you know it's um i think he was in a special special position relative to the other imagineers when it came to walt yeah i 100 percent agree i mean I, he's talked a few times about how a lot of people were just yes men to walt all the time but Rolly just didn't hold back his opinion if he didn't think he likes it i know nick i see you in the chat saying it right now he hated the Tower of the Four Winds. He he looked at it in that photo and said, this is a piece of crap. Yeah, Not exactly what he said. That's the sanitized version he's been telling for years. <laughs> but he did tell him he hated the Tower of the Four Winds. 
So I think Walt really appreciated that about him. Absolutely. Jeff, you brought up a good point. We, we, there were, <laughs> there's a lot of uncut footage. He didn't hold back in his words with the interview too. We, we did have to bleep a few things. <laughs> we actually got some comments after retro magic. You let that go through. We're like, yeah. we had to have Rolly as Rolly. I, 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 this is the first time I'm going to say this anywhere. Quite honestly, I have a list of stories that he told me that he was like, these cannot come out until <laughs> long after I'm gone. <laughs> so yes, he did not hold back whatsoever. No, no, he, he made it known. All right, let's see what we have here. Oh, this hangs in, this was in the bathroom, the downstairs bathroom. Yes. Mm-hmm. One of his, Chianti bottle, and the woman in a tub. Mm-hmm. Great original. Still hanging bottle. there today. Yep. Fantastic. As of Monday, just yeah. saw. <laughs> <Still> <laughs> you checked, there. you checked. And this is the other, this is if you're sitting, um, and it's a heat, if, I don't know if people can see it, but he had a Bates Motel towel down there yes uh, on, on the tub on the tub which on the tub <laughs> which was great i was like and i did ask jeff i'm like do you think this is okay like, yeah you can do it all right so this was uh towards the end of our interview um Rolly, uh, very generously got out his uh copies of his smoke marijuana uh advertisements that he wrote uh, jeff do you know the history of these uh, or or what it was yes so they were for an art show originally uh, for uh, the for the the Wed Library actually. Um, he did the marijuana one first for an art class, uh, and then he made a series of them that he was trying to sell places. Okay. Um, and then eventually they made it into the Wed Library where Walt saw them and apparently didn't fire him after that. <laughs> <laughs> so he he had a whole stack of them made up, and it was really generous of him to to sign them for everybody who visits, which was really sweet of him. Do you have the offensive version or the newer version that's not offensive anymore? Uh, can you tell from that? Smoke, grass. Um, actually, hold on. I, might I don't. The... Wait, can you go back? Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah, that's the good. That's the newer version. Okay. So that's the nice version. That's the nice version. You don't want the other one. The other one is is problematic. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, we've got. The... The other thing is I invite people in my house. Check out this. Oh no! Don't check that out. Yeah. <laughs> don't check it out. Don't, don't check it out too closely. All right. Uh, this is what I'm sitting behind. So uh, we went outside into his little yard. Is there any history on Crumper? Was that that's his license plate? Uh, that was an old license plate, yes. Um, and I'm actually going to throw it to the chat. Kinsey, if you're still in the chat, was that still on the truck when that first time we went out there for the book tour? Uh, I don't remember. But that was one of his one of his old license places, yes. That's great. And that yellow wording says Crump as well. Um, he also had all sorts of wonderful things in, in the garden. Yeah. All right, this is the three of us sitting having lunch in his garden with the spread that Marie put out, which was just, I think we could have fed another 20 people. So, yeah. so, <laughs> so, so sweet of her to do. We had no idea. We absolutely had no idea. We, you know, we had the impression we were going to come in and uh, an hour and a half later, we were gonna having a Wendy's. Figured we'd be on our way to Anaheim. Yeah, exactly. Eating at a Jack in the Box <laughs> on the way. <laughs> oh, so these are out of order, but that's, there's your donuts, Brian. I'm sure this is riveting for everyone at home. There's <laughs> yeah, the they were in claw. an order where the you were talking claw. about it. I was supposed to be showing it, but <laughs> as somebody said in the chat, numbers are hard. You know, so I've, I've got to work on that. Yeah, so this is a photo of uh, the, the the three of us, uh, along with Marie, towards the end uh, of the day. Um, I thought it was fascinating that Marie told us that she met Rolly at Walt Disney World originally. 
like years ago when he was working stuff there she ran into him in a parking lot i think walking someplace and was like oh who's that guy and like liked him then and then i'm gonna do you one better on that story um it hanging in their bedroom is a picture of the tower of the four winds from the 1964 world's fair that roly took himself while he was there and years later like after he after they they had finally got together after when they met ran into walt disney world together marie's looking at the photo and she's looking really closely at it and she's like oh my god that's me in the picture no so it's it's still hanging in in their bedroom yeah the first time i heard that story i was like my mind was blown like they have crossed paths so many times throughout their lives uh and i'm glad that they finally ended up together but her being in that photo he took is just like crazy that's that's, that's mind-blowing that's crazy i All mean right. in the in the theme park world we hear the word magic thrown around a lot <laughs> my goodness you talk about someone that that just had an aura around him and stories like that and, and just so many connections and and it, it it's a true magic, a real magic. Yeah. And listening to him describe, I mean, and I'll jump to Epcot. Um, not that his work on Mr. Toad and Walt Disney world wasn't fascinating because it was to listen to him talk about that. Um, but listening to him describe the land and how each piece of it was put together and the people that he talked to and the, the experts that he consulted, it, you just get the sense it was done so differently than all the other pavilions. And it might be why today it's the last of the Mohicans. I mean, it's, it's still there mostly as is. Well, and you can tell he was super into it because the way he talked about entertainment and learning being tied together, which is something he talked a lot about with me about the, you know, the, an ounce of information and a ton of fun or however he put it. And the way he talked about, you mentioned Carl Hodges. He loved Carl Hodges. He loved Dr. Chuck, who was the advisor on life health and uh, just talked about these guys with such great admiration. And he got really, you could tell he got really into the subject matter and like really did his research. He took it so seriously. And his love of his team, because uh, like when he talked to me, it was always talking about, you know, like Scott Hennessy and, um, uh, you know, Steve Kirk, we called little Stevie Kirk and uh, uh, Doris Hardoon, you know, all these people who were on his team and he loved his team and was always trying to highlight their, their contributions. Yeah, when we asked him about the wall carpet, the first thing he did was start talking about Doris. Yeah. And then and then told us the story of going to dinner in New York and being in a quiet restaurant and noticing that there were carpet all over the walls and says, Should oh, we, this is should a we great play idea. the clip of uh wall carpet? Sure, why not? Everybody loves wall carpet. Absolutely. All right, let's let me uh I think I can handle this. We hope, right? We won't be talking over this, by the way. No, here we go. Uh, she was an incredible stylist, and uh, in the Land Pavilion, she, she, there was a waiting room before he went into the, to see the film. And so I told her to, to do an abstract mural, but do it in carpet. 
And so we carpeted the walls and the ceiling in that holding area. You know what gave me the idea for the carpet was I was back east on one of our trips and uh, I went to a restaurant, I forget where it was, and all the walls and ceilings had been carpeted. And in there, it was as quiet as a tomb. And you're in a restaurant, and normally restaurants are a nightmare. So I thought to myself, someday, I'm gonna carpet the walls and the ceiling. And so we got a chance to do that, and, and Doris did it for me, which was great. I love it. <laughs> carpet the ceiling, carpet the walls, carpet, why not? Why not? Someday I'm Man. gonna do that. <laughs> what a what a gem he is. What a gem. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. After we visited with him, we actually went to Disneyland and found his his window. Um and Ryan Jeff, Michael, he he must have he's got a copy of this window, right? Yeah. Was he, he was presented with one. We didn't see it at the house, but yeah. I'm sure it's there. I've seen pictures of him holding it. I did I don't know if he was that sold in the auction or is that something he kept no, we the window they still have. Uh, it was on display during the show at the museum in Oceanside, um, but uh, the window was was kept. Awesome. Yeah, just so people know, when you get a window on Main Street, uh, they Disney gives the honoree a, a usually I think a smaller copy. But, yeah, it's like a take home gift, a take home yes. prize. Yes, <laughs> they, they give them a replica, the at home version. Yes, a lovely parting gift. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and then here's a shot of the four of us together right before we, before we, uh, I think it was before we ate. So, and, and these should now go to some of the clips. No, it's deciding not to show them to us. Of course, of course. <laughs> why, why? I had shots of us, uh, sitting down in the, um, <clears throat> in, in his room and stuff. So, uh, you guys talk for a second. I'm going to mute and get those up here working. <laughs> do, do you want just talk amongst yourselves. So, so well, uh, there's a couple things I want to cover. The first is, uh, Jeff, before we went on the air, we were talking about uh, how Raleigh would want us all to toast him. So uh, his <laughs> his dessert and drink of choice. And I think that's important information that didn't yes. get into the book. So uh, it, 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 I think there is a little section of it in there, but not a lot. <laughs> but Jack Daniels and uh, apple pie is uh, usually what his go-to used to be. Um, so if you would like to honor Rolly sometime this week, pour yourself a little Jack Daniels, eat a slice of apple pie, one right after the other. Sounds like a weird combination. Trust me, it works. These it works. are a few of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Especially how with the pie, right? How? Oh, yeah, right. Oh, That's man. done. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have and, to tell me twice. <laughs> and uh, we got into a little conversation on Twitter, Michael and I back and forth, and then Eddie Sato jumped in at the end. Um, and we were talking about this, you know, Walt kind of favoring Raleigh, uh, and I had made the point that he also had a tendency to, in the eyes of everybody else working there, favor the the Sherman brothers. And after Walt passed, um, there I think I forget how Michael worded it, uh, but you know, in my words, it was they were not. And Michael said sidelined. Uh, it seemed to be, and on some of the projects, and I said they were treated with less deference or respect than they probably should have gotten and it was a result you know and some it was, I mean, the shermans talk about it in the, in their the boys documentary which is streaming on disney plus 
Um, and to the effect of, you know, they suddenly went from being these creative guys that threw stuff out to having a guy show up and ask them to fill out a time card every week <laughs> as to how they were spending their time. And that was when they decided it's, you know, it's time to leave the studio and go do other things on our own. And I just don't know if you have anything to add, um, you know, in your conversations with Rolly, if that, you know, ever came up. I think it's it's pretty like I think it's well known that uh, after Walt had passed that like uh, you know imagining was very very different and kind of like we were talking about on those photos and everything before they had a really good relationship and I felt like Walt really let Roly I guess run wild a little bit because that's how he did his best work so after he was gone and like it, like a structure was put into place he's not a structured guy. He wants to do what he wants and create what he wants. So like, that's basically, yeah. Like you said, he, at that point he realized like, this is not for me anymore. I got to do my own thing if I want to continue doing what I'm doing. And, and I think that's what Eddie had jumped in into the conversation and said, uh, and he referred to Mark Davis in the same way that, you know, when you suddenly take these creative guys who were just used to being paid to show up and be creative uh, either on the boss's latest whimsy or their own. I mean, because we've all heard those stories about Yale Gracie just spending months in a room creating illusions and testing mm -hmm. things out. And, you know, suddenly the 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 guys that worked for Roy Disney who were, you know, in charge of these people were like, well, what do they do all day? And, and uh, they just didn't know how to, like I said, it, it just seemed like they didn't know how to deal with creatives. Yeah. Brian, and I think uh, that's another of the great sort of legacies of Epcot is they were so pressed for people that they had to go back and bring in all these people who had left the company, bring them back. I mean, uh, Mark Davis had quit, like you said, because none of his ideas could get any traction. And, uh, you know, he was just frustrated and they needed people so badly that they went back to all these people and said, you know, please come in. So luckily we got, you know, years more work out of Roly than we might have otherwise. Thank heavens. I, I do wish we got a lot more of his original stuff for Epcot uh, than we actually did, but I'm glad we get bits and pieces of what he created for Epcot still. Well, yeah. funny the life health stuff especially is just bizarre in the best yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> we're, we're sitting there and i'm not in this photo but i was sitting opposite how there and, and you can see some green folders and different things that marie and Rolly bought out and i'm sitting there and during the interview and i look down i see this as epcot fountain and this is before we found the people who had created the fountain in the front of epcot we're like mm -hmm. holy is this did we just hit the mother load is this an album of of the pylon fountain what is, what is all this um <clears throat> you know i'm trying to be nice and eventually we got to it but it turned out it was all the the play fountains that he that he did the splash pads yep. in, in uh between world showcase and, and future world on the pavilion area the the walkway there uh, but it was great because it was just as awesome like oh now we know who did these and why they look so whimsical and and so they're rolly pads. I, I guess that's what we need to call them. So, rolly <laughs> splash pads. So, all sorts of stuff that people don't know was his, like the fiber optics in the sidewalk. Yeah, which mm -hmm. everybody was so obsessed yeah. with, and he's just like, "Yeah, I did that." Not, I thought it was <laughs> not a big deal. Who all right. cares? Yeah. With with you saying that, we got to play another clip here. Um, I'm going to jump to another clip because I think this is another one of those things that 
I'm sure our frequent listeners know. Um, and uh, but let's uh, let's get this clip going here. So let's see. It's going to be number six. Okay, here we go. Let's... We had we were redoing uh, a restaurant at at, at Epcot, and they didn't know what to do. And it just so happened that afternoon uh, when we were going to go to do it, we get started with it. Uh, they brought an umbrella salesman in because they were getting some new umbrellas for out, outside, out front of it, and everything. And so he was in there, and he says, "Oh, the way he says I've got an electric umbrella." I says, "You do?" Uh, I see. He says, "Yeah." And he actually, had, they, this company had built electric umbrellas with lights. And you could buy them. You didn't have to add them. They were there. So I thought, shit, that's great. So I said, okay, fine. And so I said, we're going to put those electric umbrellas in the restaurant, and then at nighttime, take the lights down in the restaurant. I mean, and, I mean, put the lights back up in the restaurant during the day, and then turn on the electric umbrellas. Everybody got a big kick out of that. They just thought that was great. So I said, well, we'll call it the electric umbrella. <laughs> so that was it. Those are happy accidents again. Ah, what a great story. The electric umbrella salesman. <laughs> and, he, and he told us, remember he told us uh, Eisner wanted to name the whole pavilion electric umbrella. <laughs> yeah, after we heard that. <laughs> I feel like this is one of those, and now you know the rest of the story, right? Yeah. That's exactly what, that's exactly what this is. All right, let's see what else is left here in the, the slide carousel that's broken. That's the problem, Brian. We, if we had done a slide carousel with a lamp, <clears throat> we never would have had this problem. The slides would have been in the right order. It's this newfangled smart stuff that I can't get a handle <laughs> on. Uh, so there's how looking on. I think Leaning was, in intently. Yeah, I don't remember when this was. There's our, our cameraman that we rented. Um yeah. Oh, I can't remember the connection. We had some sort of connection. We, we asked on Twitter and somebody hooked us up yeah, with him. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's here tonight. Let's bring him yeah. out to hear his <laughs> opinion. Um, you know, this is, makes me think an, another thing that I had no idea that really worked on is he designed the magic shop on Main Street. Like, yeah. no clue. But, mm -hmm. you know, and then we find out, oh, well, it's because he was a huge fan of magic. And so that was a natural thing for him to do in, the, in, uh, in our Magic Kingdom. Like, my God, I walked in that place, looked at rubber masks and invisible dogs for years and years and years and had absolutely no idea. And he's, uh, he's, he said he based it on one of his favorite magic shops, but I've never been able to figure out which one it was. So somewhere there's a magic shop or the remnants of a magic shop <laughs> similar to the one uh, in the Magic Kingdom. One of the things I remember about that day is how came with visual aids, how had an entire, you know, as Hal has told us many times, he chronicled the magic kingdom uh both in photographs and videos and uh through a certain period of time and so he came with this just giant envelope filled of photos of it's a small world in, at the magic kingdom which was raleigh's and raleigh told us you know first about how he it was an improvement over the world's fair in california version that it running water to the sets and all the other things that they did in there to improve the audio and, uh, you know, learning from your first attempt. And then Hal starts going through specific scenes. And he was really interested in what was the famous clown in the, in the, um, in the balloon the with the help sign. Mm -hmm. 
and he shows it to Raleigh and Raleigh goes, I didn't do that. That wasn't why they put that in there after me. And there were like five or six of them that we asked them about. Like, nah, they added that after me. That, that wasn't, wasn't that wasn't one of mine. Um, we've got how going back to House of Magic. Let's play the House of Magic clip too. All right. Whatever. We've got and hello, Jeff Heimbuck's dog. Yeah. Because it was my hobby. Oh. And uh, I know that I, I started the hobby of magic when I was eight or nine years old. And so magic carried through with me. And, and I used magicians on some of the designs I did for the Berry Tales to actually design illusions in there. And I never had a chance to do that for Disney. But on the outside, I could bring in people and to do that. But I always loved the magic, and so when uh, there was a magic shop in um, Hollywood, and uh, I loved the way it was set up, and as the way because I'd go over there on Saturdays and look at all the tricks I wanted to buy, and so what I wanted to do was I wanted to duplicate that magic shop in Disney World, and so that was the direction I took. Nice. And you know the interesting thing about it was, I did a detailed model on the magic shop. And I actually hand painted it myself, all the squares and the floor and everything. And so when it came time for the people to build it, they said, well, where are your drawings? And I gave them the model. And they, they couldn't believe that, that I had actually designed it to scale in a model form. And they said, oh, okay. <laughs> but that was just, you know, those are the things that you do as you learn. And it, it made things so much easier. And every and when you hand that model to somebody, say, "Oh, that's what you want." Yeah, so there. All right. So Ryan, you had something to add on the, on the magic portion, I believe. Well, um, I was delighted to learn about uh, Rolly's interest in magic, and the last time I saw him was shortly before the gallery show and we were visiting him and he happened to be going through his magic stuff and he was sort of showing me how the tricks worked and everything and um he's showing it to me and he goes oh well you know do you do you want these do you do you want my these cards out of my magic um <laughs> i don't know let me think about it uh but he was always so you know we all he was very kind with his time, but also realizing the value of of the keepsakes of having something to hold on to, uh, to that made that 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 moment extra special. Can you do any tricks with him? Can you? I can't. I'm not. I haven't learned the <laughs> tricks yet. Uh, pick a card. He's so disappointed uh, in you. Ryan. I know. Really, I'm kind of. Wah, wah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, you've had him for how long, Ryan? And you haven't learned I anything. Know, what do you do, dude? Know. Shame on you, man. The worst. I can't juggle either. But anyway, no, we're gonna send you over to a magic shop. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeff, you had some things to to show us as well. I do. Uh, I'm going to show you my most prized possession. Um, and I apologize in advance because it involves a bad word. But um, this is my favorite thing of all time. Um, the first time I heard the story about this rock, I probably laughed until I cried. Um, and then, you know, he told it when we were doing the book. And I told him how much I loved the story. So when I flew back home after the I came out for the first time to meet him uh, when I was still living in New Jersey. About a week later, 
this showed up at my house uh, as a gift from him, as a thank you. And I will treasure this forever because uh, the original that went to Walt, um, nobody knows where that is now. And then uh, Rolly made another one, uh, which was sold at the auction. And then there's this one also. Um, so this, and I mean, he signed the back too. I don't know if you guys can see that, uh -huh. but like, I love this. This I will, I will keep forever. It doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people, but this is a great Disney story. That's fantastic. <laughs> And then I also wanted to show this piece of artwork he made me. I forget what year this was, but my birthday is November 2nd, uh, the Day of the Dead, which also, ironically enough, is the day that Rolly and Marie reconnected again uh, all those years later, 20 years ago, where they remet again for the first time while Rolly was doing an art show based on all his Day of the Dead artwork. Um, so a few years later, uh, I think it was just after the book came out, he sent me this uh, original thing. It says, happy birthday, Jeff. Dio de los Mortos. Um, another one of my prized possessions uh, of his artwork. It's just, I don't know. It's just a classic, classic Rolly looking thing, quite honestly. And I love it so, so much. Down to the font, which is Rolly, the epitome of Rolly, right? Mm -hmm. it's yes, just, it's that. Absolutely. You can look at the wording, the, the lettering of like, that is a Rolly Crump. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. We take for granted typefaces now on the computer. That's a true mm -hmm. typeface right there. That's yes. Somebody doing absolutely. it by hand is so impressive. You know, that was another, all his stuff for Ernie Ball, the slinky string, the guitar string packages. It's things that I grew up with that I had no idea. And then you I look, and then as soon as you know, you look at it and you're like, well, of course, Dunny. Of course it's Rolly. <laughs> course. Yeah. Right. How did I not know this? <laughs> Unbelievable. Duh. Well, how um, we have a clip here from Retro Magic um, with the black wing pencil. If, could you give a little intro? And then um, I want every, everybody who has not seen this, if you were not at Retro Magic, there's a surprise at the end. And I wanted to make sure we played this because it was really a, a neat thing. But uh, why don't you explain a little bit about the black wing pencil? I've got most of the clip here so that people can see you in action with Rolly. Okay. Uh, trying to make it here. Well, I guess we'll try to set the set this up as much as we can. So when he was working in the animation studio, one of the things that really fascinates me about Roly is um, he would go around from place to place and see what other artists were doing. And this is actually basically copy from them to learn what they were doing and their techniques. And, and he did that through his entire life. He would see a piece of artwork from somebody and then try to practice it to emulate it so he could add on to his skills. And uh, one of the things that he talked about is uh, it was going through the studio and finding someone who had a push pin and uh, they had these black wing pencils, which I'm probably have one sitting on my desk somewhere because they are actually fantastic pencils. So I have boxes and boxes of them that I use boxes uh, and boxes and he can't reach in, one but they're there might be right and of course i can't <laughs> do you want me to get one how i have one here he's, he's got binders full of pencils we're gonna see them on <laughs> yes. the video we're gonna see you them really on have the boxes of black <laughs> anyways, there that's any, insane anyways, uh oh wait a minute there right here there well there, there we go. go yeah and then there's one somewhere anyways so these are great pencils and these are the pencils that were used in the animation studio uh, at that time, and these are world famous. If you look them up, they're used by many composers and artists, and they are they are fantastic pencils. Anyways, so uh, you could you could take apart uh, this part of the eraser, which you'll see, and then there's this little clip, and and one of the other artists had taken the clip and bent it in a particular way, and then put a uh, put it on the push pin, and then mm -hmm. I guess they had 
this is the part where I, I didn't couldn't figure it out until we finally talked to him. There were vents, I guess, built into the studio that would push air up from the from the uh, from the floor up. And so if you put that in a particular way, it would spin like a propeller. And so he got interested in uh, that was, I think, one of the first things that got him interested in kinetic sculpture. And so he, I think, begged the, the other artists to tell him how it was done because he would take it apart and bend it and it would fall off. And then finally, I think there was something about five cents or a penny or something to, you know, a dime to like learn what the secret was to uh, to to uh, bend the thing so that way it would spin. And so I, I just was fascinated by that story in the book. Uh, and so when we went to him, uh, I brought a pencil and uh, a push pin <laughs> so I could learn how to do it myself. Because exactly. I, I, I wanted to know how to do it the right way. So I didn't have this one properly set up. So we're going to we're going to clip go here silent for a second while I add it in. Uh, it runs about seven minutes, but you're going to see something really cool at the end too. But Michael, I think you were going to say, or was it Jeff was going to say something? Jeff was. Oh, I was just going to ask if you did pay him the fee to learn how to do it. Ah, uh, you have he, to watch yes. the video. He, yeah, you yeah, watch the yeah, video. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Okay. So we're going to go mute here. We're going to jump over to the other screen. Just give me one second to add the video because this was a late ad. And uh, it's about seven minutes. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it. We'll be back after this. This is actually going to be a little bit of audience participation. So I'm going to let Hal, JT and I go off and take care of something. I'm going to let Hal and Brian talk about this and introduce it. And we'll be back with you in a second. <laughs> so uh, in all my research, um, I'm just fascinated by Rolly um, because his career was so diverse. He did everything from graphic design to sculpture. Uh, and one of the things that, that we found out, uh, how he actually managed to make the jump from from animation into Imagineering was uh, he, he did an art show and that he talked about a little bit uh, with the drawings and paintings, uh, but he also made these little propellers, uh, these little kinetic sculptures that would have tiny little propellers on them. And uh, I there's a story, um, I actually kind of knew about the story, so at the beginning I'll, uh, I give him something uh, in payment, but he's actually, uh, we'll run that first, and, and then he's actually going to tell the story about the payment and stuff and, and show you a little bit about uh, the propeller stuff. I wondered if you could show me how to make a propeller. Oh. Because I love these pencils. Okay. And then I read your book, and I was like, oh, I have an L, and I. I need to pay you because I think that's part of the deal. <laughs> well, we need to do more than that. Um, I have a pen. Yeah, thank you. What happened was when I was uh, uh, trying to think of the animator's name that built the first one, I went into his office and this little propeller was going. And uh, I said, How'd you do that? And he says, It's a secret. And I'd say, okay, and so um, I'd come back in different times and the little propeller was still going. It was on his lamp, he had one of those lamps there, not realizing it was the heat of the lamp that made it turn. So I, after a while, I mean, I had to be three or four times asking him that, 
And he finally said, um, okay, well, he says, I'll tell you what, I'll sell it to you. I said, great. I said, how much? He says, a penny. So he sold it to me for a penny. I said, now tell me how to make it. Well, the whole secret was, see, I take this out and I take it and get a, a nail. And this was a propeller. I'd bend it and I'd make a propeller shape out of it. And then I take a nail and put a dent in there. And it never worked because the nail was sharp and made it sharp in there so it wouldn't ride on a push pin. So then finally he told me, you take this ballpoint pen and you press the ballpoint pen in it. I don't, we can't do it here, but you have to do it on the table. And then it's nice and smooth. So what happens is when it's nice and smooth like that and sits on that, it spins. And so that's how we... This is the greatest moment of my life, after the birth of my children, <laughs> and my wedding. There you go. Look at that. Much of anything to make it go. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> so, through the generous support of the Blackwing Palomino Pencil Company, all of you right now in your bags have the makings of a Rolly Crump propeller. You have a pencil, a Blackwing pencil, you have a push pin, a pen, and you can now take a moment and make your own propeller just like Rolly did. Oh, wait a minute, wait, oh, I think, ta oh, okay. Being summoned. We're so being summoned do your, over. Do your part. Here. Keep propelling, keep propelling, we're gonna. We wanna see those spin. Yeah. See how many we can get going all at once. We're gonna set a Guinness World Record, I think. Everybody's <laughs> gotta give Rolly Crump a penny, too, if it works. That's right. When, after we say, how do we, uh... What's that? The camera's there. Oh, the camera's over there. Okay. But he should be able to hear it. Can he hear or see? He should be able. He will see out there. All right, we have one more special surprise for you. Yeah. We're about to cut to a live feed to California to introduce Rolly Crump. Hi, Rolly! <laughs> if you want to say hi, he's over here. He's right here on this camera. He's over here on this camera. How are you doing, You're making your propeller now. She got me. Are you having a good time? Yeah. Just want to say hi to everyone real quick and let you go on with your day. That's it. I mean, just say hi and goodbye. Yeah, that's right. Hi. 
Jeff, I think that's the first time you saw that. Ryan, I don't know, Michael. Michael, you were there. That was the first time I've I seen there. that. That yeah. was amazing. That was I remember him telling, and him and Marie telling me about that, um, but it was really nice to actually see that happen. That What a great moment that was. Especially for, for you guys, like everyone there. It's just like a surprise, and to make the propeller, that's amazing. The, the, the panic I had of the internet working and different things actually happening <laughs> was just like, oh my <laughs> gosh, way, of too, course, of way course. too much. Ryan, had you seen that one before? He did that for us when we were doing the interview for uh, Stacy and myself, but That's I had not great. seen that clip before. Um, wh what I love, obviously, is you can see the joy that he's getting from you know seeing everyone delighting in that. Exactly. Yeah, he really. Marie wrote to me afterwards and said, "Oh, he just was thrilled to look at everybody uh, out there waving at him." So, which was great. <laughs> All right. So where we we were just thrilled it worked. Yeah, you know, so. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. Well, we've got about twenty more minutes here before we wrap it up, give or take. Um, we do have a couple other clips that we we can show. Um, but uh, we've gone through our slides. We talked about our our event. Um, Michael, what are some other things that you'd like to to discuss about Rolly and some of his other works? Uh, maybe some stuff we haven't heard before because I know we're going over some things that a lot of people already know. Yeah, well, there's so much, so many things that I learned when I talked to him, the things that I'd never heard of. And it's like Jeff said, you know, you wish all the stuff that he had worked on for Epcot had gotten done. Um, there was one project he worked on early on called Science and Invention, which was going to be a pavilion that kind of led into Horizons and uh, worked with Stan Freeberg, the great mm. sort of comedian and... Um, guy and a lot of the a lot of his team that worked on later things but he you know he was telling me about this uh this pre-show that they were doing called the parasol of progress it was about like cavemen inventing an umbrella or something like that and uh i was just blown away i was like i don't know what you're talking about but it sounds amazing it's it's <laughs> it's hilarious <laughs> And I have artwork this, of that somewhere, dude. I gotta find. Oh, I would love. I, I definitely have digital artwork. I'll, I'll have to email it to you. I I would love that because <laughs> uh, that was just mind blowing. But you know, talking about all these people that he was involved with doing this, and you know, even something as simple as like Mr. Toad at the Magic Kingdom, which I don't think gets enough credit for. I mean, people think now, oh, there's Mr. Toad at Disneyland, but the Mr. Toad at the Magic Kingdom was a whole nother level with the dual tracks, with the art style. I posted his uh, Rapunzel on Twitter the other day because I that that hidden sort of hidden off to the side saucy Rapunzel portrait always cracked me up. So it, a lot of his spirit, I think, probably was in that. I I have a clip. Uh, 
we did not practice this. I literally went into this blind, all of us, right? You just mentioned Mr. Toast. I've got a clip on Mr. Toast. You're like, look, we're, I think we should go to the videotape here. What do you think? Well, yeah. his, he, he took such delight in talking about that Magic Kingdom version of it and the improvements and the little whimsical things he added in there. So, yeah, yeah. I think we should we should run and, it. And, and the dual track, too. So, all right. So, here's Rolly on Mr. Toast. This is actually going to be a little bit of audience participation. Oh, yeah. Well, that was my favorite ride when I... That was so Dick Nunes' idea. Did you know a little story about Dick and I? And that <laughs> Dick said, when we were getting ready to do dark rides for Florida, Dick came to me and he said, are you going to do a towed ride? And I said, yes. And he said, well, you're going to have to do... Uh, two toad rides, he said, because <clears throat> that's the most popular dark ride in Disneyland. And so I said, well, I can't do just do two identical ones. So that's when I merged the two of them together. So the cars would come in, you'd go, one car would go to the right, the other car would go to the left, and then they would meet in town square, and then they would go this way and that way. And I thought it was kind of fun because I thought if families went on the ride, and somebody said, do you remember the chickens in the chicken coop? No, I don't remember any chickens in the chicken coop because the family would see different scenes from the different parts of the ride. And I thought that was kind of fun. So I enjoyed doing that. And I was really, I don't know why they took it out. I mean, they needed space for something. So why not pick on the toad ride? Because it's the right size that they wanted or the right square footage or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. It's... When I did that ride, I want to make sure that the characters look like the characters from animation. So I got an animator. I hired him to come in and do all the characters because I knew that I couldn't do a job as good as the animator that actually did those. So I always called upon people that <clears throat> did would do better. Okay. And that was the thing that Walt once said. He said he always wants to hire somebody that was better than he was. So I thought, yeah, that's right. So I'd always, if there was something that had to be, I didn't try to trace them. No, I brought them in. So that was great. Well, I actually designed the ride and built a model on it. So, you know, everything that we did was because Walt always wanted to see models because he wanted to see the three dimensions. So I actually designed a whole ride, you know, and did a, 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 a model on it. And I, everything I ever did was a model. And then they showed it to Walt, and Walt loved that. That was, a, that was kind of a given, you know. You didn't, you didn't show Walt sketches all the time because, you know, he, he, he wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> We're live. I mean, right. I, I don't. I I think it's safe to say for any ten to fifteen year old boy that you know was engulfed in princesses and other things. There are a few places in the Magic Kingdom that really worked with your imagination, like Jungle Cruise. But Mr. Toad's Wild Ride it was one of those things, like as a teenage boy, that just it sticks with you into young adulthood as you try to wrap your head around. You know, not only the art and the stuff and it's going inside and like the hidden Rapunzel, but then like the fact that you're ending up in hell and it seems very undisney like in a place that's otherwise super Disney. And there's just so many interesting things about that attraction that just I I still can't believe that it's gone to to this day. It just it seems like we should it should still be there just like Disneyland's is uh you know, not only as a tribute to what Imagineering was doing in the 1970s, but just, you know, to, to him himself and what he was able to accomplish, you know, with a very 
a very I, I love the fact that it was you know just dick Nunes saying like we need two toads because we need the capacity and then him just taking that and remixing it and running it running with the idea the i mean that's the creative problem solving thing right that's that's what i always harp on about you know this is what design is design is problem solving so when someone comes to you and says i need two toads you say okay i understand why you need that now i'm going to give you something better than what you asked for because i understand what the problem is you're trying to solve rather than just doing the thing that you're telling me to do that I think that was Rolly in everything that he did in, in life and health and in the land. It's like, yeah, you know, they came, absolutely. They, they came to him with, you know, this is, this is kind of the story that we, these are the things that we want to tell. And that's, it's him. Uh, you know, we, we always think of Rolly as like, you know, the fun guy or the outsider or the iconoclast. It's like, but what a brilliant thinking man uh, to be able to run this gamut of like super fun, craziness darkness to like incredible education and that's i think really a testament to who he is he was always trying to solve the problem and thinking about the audience and, and what was the right thing to do for them for the message that they were trying to communicate whether it was i'm going to scare the poop out of you <laughs> or like i'm going to teach you about you know farming in the future and, and how that's possible i i think that's where his genius lies is you know his versatility and, and his intelligence. I also think we have to give him a nod and all the Imagineers from that time, they were doing this in a time frame that we don't have the technology and the off-the-shelf availability that we had, that they had, you know, that just didn't exist back then. Creativity here is so key to the storytelling and Rolly just took that and elevated it beyond with resources that we take for granted today that he didn't have and he was able to do it in, in such a different way that it's it dumbfounds me that half of this stuff even happened <laughs> you know i mean we talk about mm -hmm. epcot that way but even just taking something as a cardboard flat and turning it into painting it the right way to to give dimension and like you said how to scare you and to pull you around a corner and pull you in with nothing more than paint and a cardboard and the right angle that's just right uh, beyond what you can think um, all right, why don't we kind of, I think what we're going to do here is we have one clip to play here towards the end, and then we have a final clip, uh, after we say goodnight that we'll play for everybody. Um, Ryan, some other things that you wanted to bring up, uh, before we, before we close out any well, if additional stories. Forget there? anything that I've talked about in the, I said Ryan again, we... Ryan, oh. he was even way. <laughs> Will you enunciate your B's then? I, it's your the, I'm getting over the vid, man. I just, I'm having trouble getting these letters out. I got to go back to school for that. All right. All right. Ryan. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah. Ryan goes It's apparently first. your turn. Well, it's the guest, you know, <laughs> you know, all of us, in this chat have have interviewed multiple imagineers of different generations and many of them have been kind with their time but i hope everyone watching understands that this this is he, he affected all of us in some way and jeff you know obviously you the book the time becoming part of the family I mean, that's incredible. But yeah. even for me, so I you know, him working on the World's Fair documentary, we couldn't have done that without the Disney piece. And you can't do the Disney piece without him. And that documentary 
led directly to other things I did. Producing Mystery Science Theater was a direct uh, outcropping of uh, Joel seeing that documentary and the stuff I'm doing now. So my career, it, it, the whole trajectory changed from meeting him. And I, it's just incredible to think that we've we've had we've all been fortunate to talk to some amazing people, but he he wasn't just someone we were interviewing. He was someone that you know you come you come away changed and changed for the better. Very very well said. So, Michael, what do you have for closing thoughts and ideas? I, I mean, I associate myself with all those comments it was like i said uh, when i first talked to Rolly, it was right when i was starting out doing this whole thing and i mean what a better what a better way to start and you know he put me in contact with other people and gave me information that i'd never had before and just so generous and you know i'm i'm so glad that Jeff was able to chronicle so much of his work over the years because that's been just an invaluable asset. And um, yeah, I'm I'm just grateful, you know, in my own tiny, tiny, tiny way, I managed to cross paths with him because he was uh, just super cool, nice, hilarious dude. Like you meet people that you know, you admire their work and they're nice people, but you know, you meet, you meet somebody like him and it's, it's, it's more than you could ask for, you know, it's, it's more than you would expect just cause uh, you know, it's like, yeah, you're, you're hilarious and you're awesome and you're hanging out with me and uh, that's <laughs> unbelievable. So I'm very grateful. So Jeff, Brian and JT, I'm going to get to you after the next clip and then how I'd like you to introduce this clip, the, the mobile clip. Uh, you mentioned we should play that one. So maybe a little intro I, I, on that. You know, I thoughts. think Jeff probably knows this story better than oh, I do. Oh, all right. There we go. Because he's, so this is, this is the wonders of life mobile. And... Oh God. No, no. You tell the story, please. Oh, please. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It will make me cry. You, you oh, tell. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell the non, the, the, the version with less details that will. So, so I know uh, his son, Chris got involved with Imagineering after Rolly had left. And of course, Rolly has a, a long history of, of working on wonders of life. And as we got into it more and more, it was just so fascinating to see how everything that he and his team had come up with in the 1970s basically came to fruition, but in a slightly redesigned way in the 1990s. I mean, you know, 89, it's like literally everything that they laid out in the 70s happened in the wonders of life pavilion that we all walked around and experienced. Just the technologies changed. And in some cases, the shows maybe got less elaborate or, you know, what was a dark ride suddenly became, a, you know, a, a, a simulator ride instead. But really, everything that he had laid out uh, came to bear in, in the pavilion that we had. And his son, Chris, was working on it. And Rolly was gone at that point doing other stuff. And uh, Rolly said that Chris said like, hey, we got a holiday, which was the the term that uh, that Rolly had had told us, Walt told him for something that was missing. There was kind of this empty space in the middle that needed something. And so I think Chris went to Marty Sklar and said like, hey, I got an idea for something. And he called his dad up and said, hey, there's, I have a job for you. We would like 
you to have a, we'd like you to make a mobile for wonders of life. There's this big empty spot in the middle and can you do something? And so uh, he agreed to, and uh, it's, it's, you know, it, I don't, I don't think it's there anymore, but it was certainly a really neat feature and uh, just such a nice callback to his being involved in the father son relationship. And it's, it was so neat to have a piece of him in there uh, after all that time. Well, let's play the clip from, from our interview uh, about Chris and the mobile. Um, that was Marty Scalar. He, uh, he called me and said, you know, Rolly, we want to put a, 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 a mobile in Wonders of Life. He said, because it's just a big empty space up there. So I said, okay. So I actually uh, did it on a scratch pad and gave it to him. And Marty says, okay, fine. So he went to somebody to build it and he gave it to him and said, build this. And the guy says, what's that? And he says, well, it's, an, you know, it's a mobile. And they said, what's a mobile? And so the guy, and he said, well, do I get a working drawing? And she said, no, that's it. <laughs> so, you know, they, all these guys that do stuff figure they have to have a drawing or a working drawing. And he said, no, no. He says, you build that mobile right off that sketch. And uh, so I feel good about that. <laughs> My son hung that mobile. Really? Oh. Yeah, he, he was working with me at the time. And he says, I don't trust anybody else, so I'll do it. So they sent him up on a lift, and he hung it. Because he's been part of working with all of this, you know, as time goes on. In fact, the interesting story about it was, <clears throat> when we were finishing the Tower of the Four Winds at downtown L.A., where they were building it, I took my family down there on a weekend to see what, what I was doing and everything. And so I've got pictures of my son standing there with all the pieces from the Tower of the Four Winds. And he's never forgotten that. Well, when I had my show, he built me a scale model of the, of the Tower of the Four Winds that actually worked for my show. So I thought that was incredible. All right. Great story there, and Brian, as you point out, as we were listening, great picture of the the mobile actually moving and everything. So, um, JT, I want to pass it over to you a little bit. I, <clears throat> you know, I felt bad that you weren't able to join us on that trip, but you've certainly learned a lot. You've read about Rolly, just thoughts and things that you've and musings that you've had over the time that we've known him. He's one of the few people that um, you know. We'll say we, you guys met. Uh, I've known the most about because of Jeff's book and that kind of got me into Disney history and that, and that was like one of my early crash courses. So it was definitely somebody that when you guys went, I was like, I would ask him this stuff. I know this stuff. Cause I felt like, you know, he was somebody that it was so, so all well put and understood it. He just seemed like such a chill, cool guy. And I, it was, it's uh, definitely, uh, I like the ones too, where they go. It's, I'm not a Disneyland guy. I've never been there. So when I hear the Walt Disney World stuff, my ears perk up and that stuff when you guys were asking those questions, I really I really like to hear that stuff too. And I, it's weird. I, I have it sitting here and it hit me like, you know, a week after he passed or, you know, we're about a week past, right? A week past he passed and uh, his autograph is sitting here because you guys sent that to me. So it was like one of those things. I go, oh my gosh, I forgot that was sitting here. That's amazing. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely very, very cool to, to have that memento as well. So. 
Well, JT, if, if you want more Disneyland stuff, we've got about 90 minutes of unaired footage of talking with Rolly. I'm sure there's a good amount of Disneyland in there, too, I can help you with. <laughs> no, 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 I'm good. I, maybe once I go, actually, then I'll want to hey, learn then, more. Then, yeah. You might want to do it. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, Brian, I'll pass it over to you. It's Brian. Is, is with, a with a B. Brian <laughs> with a B. Uh, so one of the things that came through to me you see a lot of these interviews, you read a lot of these books, uh, a lot of these Imagineers of that era that are gone now. Rowley's affinity for talking about everyone that he worked with. Um, even when he was telling us, you know, Marty Sklar, or rather uh, Mark Davis pitched his small world to Walt and left the room and Walt turned to Rowley and said, what's Mary Blair doing, you know? Um, it, it was done with love. Like he, he had such affection for the, the people that he, that, that, you know, he shared Imagineering with and that, you know, we, we talked earlier about his team on the land and how much he, he, he loved them. But to hear him talk about Mary Blair, I mean, he unabashedly said, I was in love with Mary, uh, till the day she died. And, and the way that he waxed philosophic about, her talent and her use of color and uh, the things that she brought to the projects that he worked with her on. Uh, and obviously we'll talk a bit about his affection for Walt and the story and Roy and just everyone. It, it really gets to beyond his art, beyond his contributions to the parks that we love and the things he did outside of it is, was his heart. What a, what a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man. And I feel so, you know, we were doing this for five years uh, at, when we finally interviewed him. We'd been doing this show. And even though we had done Epcot 35 and some other things, I really think for me, those three hours we spent with him was when we moved from fans doing a show about something that we were interested in to at least for me. And I think it, you guys too, uh, recognizing that we were stewards of people's stories and, you know, we may not have walked into Rollies that day knowing that, but we certainly walked out and I mean, what more can you say about a guy? Yeah, it was one of the definitely, changing moments for what we do and realization, <clears throat> as you said, Brian, bringing these stories back to life and, and preserving them is, is really important. Um, Jeff, before we sign off for the night here and, and with our final clip, I want to let you have the floor. If there's anything else that you'd like to add, you're the closest to Rolly. I know this is hard times for all of us. Um, and uh, we want to all, always give our best to Marie, but if there's anything you'd like to say to everybody, uh, you're welcome to, and uh, we'll go from there. Um, I, I think I, what I mostly want to say is thank you, uh, to you guys, to, you know, to everyone here, everyone watching, you know, it, it's, it's because of you that Roly will live on, you know, forever. And, you know, for a dumb kid from Jersey, like myself, who used to go to Walt Disney world and like finding out years later, all my favorite things came from this one guy and then having this guy in my life, you know, I feel very lucky to have been able to help tell this amazing story and i'm just really thankful for people like you who you know will continue to tell his story and continue to 
really appreciate the work that he's done. So like truly for myself, for Marie, from the family, like, thank you very, very much. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. And um, uh, I don't have a lot of details about this yet, but for people who are in Los Angeles, you know, we're trying to organize like a, a kind of public celebration of, of Rolly's life. Um, we've been talking to a couple of Disney related venues to hold it here in, in LA. So, um, you know, keep a lookout in the next couple of days. Uh, I'll post information on the, it's kind of a cute story page about it. Um, but if you're around, we'd love to have people come up and just share about Rolly. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. And I was in touch with Marie today. Um, <clears throat> not only did she want me to tell you the toast, you know, to apple pie and Jack, which I am going to be on like a fly on potato salad. <laughs> that's not a hard, that's no, not a hard ask. It is not hard. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but she did ask me to post a, a link here to a uh, short documentary called The Whimsical Imagineer by Ken K Kibo, I believe. Um, he is now offering uh, this documentary free for fans to view. So we're going to drop it into the chat here. Uh, I have, I just got this 20 minutes before we went on, so I have not had a time to look at it. Um, it's very good. Very, very good. Okay. So and it's short. Excellent. So it's short, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Actually, the documentary was, I think it was mostly made even before we started work on the book, uh, but it didn't get released till a couple of years ago, but it's, there's some good stuff in there. Awesome. Awesome. So what we're going to do here is we're, we're going to, we're going to end here in a second. Um, we'd like to play the very last final clip, which was uh, Brian had asked different things, you know, tell us about Dick Nunes, tell us about Roy. And the final question was, tell us about Walt. So we're going to let Rolly take us out and he's going to speak about Walt. So we're going to go silent here. Thank you very much for joining. We'll see you on our next movie night at some point. And uh, with that, good night, everybody. Here's Rolly. Here's to you, Rolly. In fact, when I had my exhibit in the library, my art in the library, um, I had mobiles, I had my propellers and everything. But I had all my dope posters in a hallway. Yeah. And, and, and then the, the librarian called and said, Walt was here here today and saw your exam. I said, oh my God, did he go down the hallway? And she says, yes. I said, did he see my posters? And she says, yes, he did. She says, in fact, he laughed. <laughs> and you know what? I'm sure he did. I, you know, he had a great sense of humor. I think he, what he saw and what I did was it was a tongue in cheek. It wasn't anything serious. Whether it was a marijuana or whatever, I was just poking fun at things, and he accepted me doing that. Didn't take it, didn't read it any other way. So it was, uh, was kind of neat. Yeah. Walt always had two uh, story men work together, and he'd always make sure that they didn't get along, because he knew that if these two guys didn't get along, the best product would come out. That was the old man. That's what he did. He was brilliant, just absolutely brilliant. And he would do it in kind of big smile on his face. <laughs> you know, he, he really uh, accepted everybody for who they were. And, and he also realized that he had a company that did nothing but tease people, play games with him. I mean, it was a playful place to work. And he knew that. So he never, never held anything against, against that at all. And some of the crazy stuff that took place there was unreal, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, incredible man, Jesus. It was in the morning, I was at my office, and John Hench came out and told me. And that's just when everything just went, whew. 
I mean, when he passed away, you could feel it throughout the company. And I went, went out and had some drinks and I ended up crying and I damn near cried all night long uh, about that. That was a very emotional time frame because it was pretty much a secret. You know, they kept it real quiet about what he was, why he went to the hospital and everything. So it was, it was hard. It was hard on all of us. In fact, I remember um, when that day happened, we all went over to one of the restaurants that we all went to, and we had cocktails and we drank to Walt, and then we kept on drinking and drinking, and you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of sad. And then I ended up crying most of the night. It was, it was just tragic. I mean, it's hard to believe that Walt Disney's going to die. No, not at all. Look around at the sky and the ground, every leaf, every tree. Look around at the joys to be found, shining and new. I see a world full of love Everywhere I turn I see a world full of love Simple